0: Episode 3, Voices
1: The fact that he could seal up his life in a few boxes was somewhat depressing. At least the boys had been there. David and Wes were looking for a reason, any reason, to leave Advanced Chemistry, and the twins never needed a reason, while Blaine had steadfastly insisted on being there. Finn also insisted on helping, bewildered as he was with the troop of blazer-clad boys invading the Hudson Hummel home but seeing him lift and load the boxes that contained the mass of essentials that Kurt apparently required to live only made the transition from home to boarding school all the more awkward. But the fact that Finn gave him an encouraging smile helped. With that smile, Kurt remembered the New Direction singing to him, and nodded back at his brand new stepbrother, as though assuring him he'd be alright. Finn's whisper to him as he left just made him laugh.
2: Seriously, what Puck said, alright? Don't forget to let us know what you're up to over there.
3: If I didn't know any better, I'd think you're anxious to get rid of me.
4: What? No, dude. I mean, why would we-
1: Kurt let Finn flounder in confusion one last time before he grinned and told him he was joking and that he'll see him on the weekends. He gave his parents a hug. Carol gave him a warm, affectionate one, already looking as though she would miss him dearly and promising to pester him for fashion advice. Bert's hug was stronger, more solid, that asked if he would be fine. Kurt nodded to him, and without having to say anything, Bert knew his son would be all right for the time being. Then Kurt was ready to go. Bert had carefully watched each of the boys with Kurt as they loaded things into Wes's Hummer, after the twins suggested to take Kurt's things using their personal limo.
4: You're not trying to help. You're trying to show off.
1: Bert noted how each of them behaved towards his son. His eyes lingered longer on Blaine and Kurt, which was why on the way to Westerville, Kurt received a text message from Bert.
2: You watch yourself out there. Don't let any of them do anything funny.
1: Kurt was confused, but when Blaine saw the text over his shoulder, he understood, and just smiled faintly to himself. He didn't need Bert's silent death threat. As of yet, he had no intention on advancing on Kurt, no matter how much every inch of him screamed to. He hoped he could hold out. When they had arrived back at Windsor, Kurt, who had been allowed one full day to settle into Dalton before resuming class, insisted on kicking the entire mass of boys out so he had time alone.
3: You cut class enough yesterday. Go back to class and stop digging through my wardrobe. We We can't can't help help it. It's It's so... amplified. amplified.
1: When he placed the last dolce into his closet, he pushed the whole mass to one side and held up his new set of uniforms. He gave the blazer a long look before sighing. His massive designer wear would be officially consigned to obscurity until the weekends. He thanked small mercies. At least he could still accessorize as within school limitations. After the whirlwind of the past day, the classes, learning about Dalton, seeing Windsor, meeting its mildly unhinged occupants, being sung to over the phone by New Directions, auditioning for the Warblers, and being drafted that same day and being given his own Windsor room, Kurt had run out of emotions and reactions. He had no idea what happened, but all he remembered was that once he finally finished putting up the photos of New Directions onto his own corkboard by the desk, he flopped down onto his downy bed, sinking into the ridiculously soft comfort that the twins had given him, and promptly passed out. Before he woke up, with the entire room black as nightfall and freezing, to a strong hand covering his mouth and hands grabbing his wrists and ankles, his sharp cry was stifled by the hands as he got dragged off the bed and into the darkness.
3: I'm Kurt, and this is Dalton Academy, and I think that I'm currently being kidnapped. Yep,
1: I totally didn't see that coming. When he was unceremoniously dropped into what felt like earth and grass, the blindfold that got placed around his eyes finally got removed, and he found himself blinking and squinting as his eyes adjusted from total darkness to the firelight. And just as he had somehow expected, a mass of boys in interesting variations of sleepwear were standing across him on the other side of a bonfire, grinning broadly. They all cheered when they saw his reaction. Kurt Hummel, you have officially been a Windsor boy for 24 hours. Evan was far too perky for the hour, wearing bright white pajamas.
3: And because you have, and therefore can no longer repeal your move,
1: we have officially decided to initiate you. Ethan spoke happily in pajamas that matched his brother's. David looked at Kurt's dayclothes, which the shell-shocked boy was still
5: wearing. You know my mother keeps telling me never to sleep without changing. Says it's unsanitary.
1: What the hell, guys? I thought I was gonna die! Kurt's heart was still thudding heavily in his chest as he stared at them, trying to catch his breath. Sorry, we're sorry. Blaine moved forward to try and calm him. Even in Kurt's fright-haste state, He wondered why, in blessed sake, Blaine had to wear that, a short-sleeved cotton sleeping shirt that fit him far too well, and completely derail
0: his train of thought. It's just something we do to all the newcomers. Right, Dwight?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Dwight was screaming all the way down to the grounds.
1: The pale boy, shorter than the rest of the crowd, flipped him off with a highly defined hand gesture before clutching back at one of the many medallions that hung from his neck. David just shook his head.
5: He was convinced we were going to burn him at the stake.
1: I don't put it past you by now. Kurt raised an eyebrow, breathing a little easier now. He realized that Blaine's hand found its way onto his. He looked to him. You alright? Kurt swallowed and turned away from the firelight in Blaine's eyes and his adorably tousled hair.
3: Yeah, fine. What's this, uh,
1: initiation? The twins were deeply deeply wishing that these two would hurry up and get a room soon. It's It's your your welcome party! There was a cheer from the boys as they dragged out a massive cooler and a huge sack filled with snacks from the bushes. The bonfire crackled as soda cans popped open, and goodies emerged, the boys handing them out.
0: Blaine grinned at Kurt. We really didn't mean to frighten you. Yes, you did. All right, maybe. But for the record, I was against scaring you. I wasn't sure how your nerves were doing after McKinley. But it was tradition, so... For Dalton, or just for Windsor? Ah, just for Windsor. The other houses usually hold day parties. Did they do it to you too? Yes, they did. And unlike you, who relatively retained a dignity, I put up a fight in my dorm room and ended up concussing David with a lacrosse stick.
5: I will still get you back for that.
0: (laughs) They had to turn all the lights on and hold the party in the clinic after that. Blaine!
5: The twins called, gesturing
1: wildly, calling for him to come to where they were huddled with Wes and some other boys.
0: Duty calls. Be right back.
1: Blaine rolled his eyes, but he smiled charmingly at Kurt, effectively ruining the last of the other boys' brain cells. He got up and went to the others. Kurt followed him as he went and watched him laugh. Then he had the overwhelming urge to smack himself. He was being ridiculous. Clearly Blaine only actually saw him as a friend and with his amazing record of being shot down by every seemingly perfect guy He'd gone for Finn Sam He was not quite prepared to handle rejection from Blaine
3: Friendship is good. I mean this this is good for now sure Finn isn't gay and Sam Well, I'm still on the fence with him, but he is with Quinn but Blaine is amazing and he's actually gay and we're actually close, and we get along so well. If I ruin this now... Hi, Kurt!
1: He looked up as a small boy with a massive downy strawberry blonde curl sat down next to him, offering him a Diet Coke. The smaller boy looked like an older, awkward version of a cherub out of a Renaissance painting. Kurt took the soda gratefully. I'm Reed.
6: I live a few doors down from you. Hey. Are those... the Dolce pajamas? Oh, you noticed? Yeah, I really like them. They're comfortable, and if I walk around wearing these pants, no one notices. And I like your Chanel brooch. I used to have one. A different design, of course, but, you know, pins are dangerous, and I might jab my collarbone with one, so I settled for some Harry Winston cufflinks. Otherwise, my uniform looks a bit plain. To me, anyway. Oh! That reminds me!
1: He pulled out a velvet box, opened it, and took out a pin. A shield of royal blue crossed by a golden ray. He clipped it onto Kurt's collar.
6: There. It's the Windsor Crest. You're one of us now. Isn't the pin nice? We had it customized at to Beers.
1: Kurt stared with his mouth hanging open at him. Reed
6: looked abashed. Sorry. It's a habit. I talk too much, right?
3: No, I mean, thank you for this, and, uh, you
1: know your baubles.
6: Oh, that comes from hanging around my mom.
1: He took a sip of soda and gave a small jerk of pain. Ow! Man,
6: I don't believe it. I've cut my lip again. Are you okay? I'm fine. Always happens to me.
1: Reed answered almost casually in spite of his obvious distress. He got up. I'll go put something on this. See you in a bit. And he hurried off. He passed Blaine, who saw him and then looked to the other boys.
0: Alright, who gave Reed a soda can? I told you people, just give him a juice box or something where he can't hurt himself. He sat down next to Kurt and grinned. What's with the fish face? I think I found my new best friend. (laughs) Reed? Yes, I saw how you dress and I knew you two might get along. Just try to steer him away from anything sharp, pointy, or otherwise dangerous to most infants. He's... He glanced back to where
1: Reed was and winced when the short boy tripped over a tree root and almost dived face first.
0: A little danger prone... Yeah, is he? We honestly do not know which team he bats for. My radar tells me yes, but it's still a little hazy. And we don't ask. We think maybe he's just fashion savvy because he's Van Camp's son and. Surt choked on his soda ungracefully. Hilda Van Camp? The fashion magazine editor? That's the one. He's the only other person on campus I've seen with a wardrobe that looks remotely like yours. It's almost appalling. And now you're in love with him? Kurt playfully shoved
1: him with a shoulder and laughed.
3: Well, I'm glad someone at least shares my uniform sentiments. Why, are you worried I'll fall in love with Little Reed?
0: I don't know. I might get terribly jealous if you do. Will you? Blaine's playful smirk made Kurt flush.
4: For the sake of all of our sanities, when are they going to get a move on? I think I'm going to haul out my s'mores if they keep this up.
1: Wes grumbled as their small group watched Kurt and Blaine flirt without realizing they were being watched. Reed, with a piece of tape on his lip, grinned. I think they're really cute.
2: It's too early, I think.
1: Dwight looked a tad displeased at being away from the safety of his salt circle.
2: Kurt just got here, bringing whatever spirits and bad orbs are tailing him from McKinley.
1: Have you any
3: idea how long we suffered through Blaine's dramatics when he wasn't here? (sighs) I swear. Getting our little Alice here was a relief. Of course, we'll still have to suffer through Blaine's daydreaming, but it's better than before.
2: I don't know. Blaine didn't look that happy whenever he waited for a text from Hummel before. Like he was waiting for the worst news, seemed relieved when everything was okay. And that Hummel has a whole lot of some dark aura from back where he came from.
4: Oh, was he in auras now?
2: I'm serious. Why did he move here anyway? Do any of you know?
5: Silence. David looked contemplative. Blaine didn't actually say. He didn't actually tell us much in between talking about how wonderful Kurt was.
4: Yeah, I always thought he thought Kurt was adorable during his field spying and just decided to, I don't know, go for him? I don't know what was happening back when Blaine kept disappearing to Lima. But I just figured he was convincing him to switch schools so he may worship him at his leisure. There. I knew it. I called it.
1: Dwight nodded with a maddeningly knowing
4: look. Called what?
2: That Hummel's been cursed. Cursed, I'm telling you. Back in his old town, he must have infuriated some ecto-secreti nightmare, and now he's brought that curse to us, and he's got, like, like, Blaine under his spell.
1: Dwight flailed from under his flimsy black
2: robe. Under a spell? Like in Jennifer's body or something? That was a creepy
4: movie, man. What? Jennifer's- Dude, you have got to lay off all that rock salt.
5: I'll agree with the spell part, I'll give you that. Come on, they'll subtly flirt forever and get nowhere. Let's go annoy Blaine and break it up.
1: The twins happily trooped after him and proceeded to throw themselves between the two and be gargantuan distractions culminating in the twins grabbing Blaine and Kurt each and twirling them around in some crazed puppet form of a waltz that sent more than a few boys tumbling into the dead autumn leaves. When the entire party eventually started pelting each other with half-toasted marshmallows, the twins pulling out twin marshmallow guns and rapid-firing every boy in their radius, the elderly groundskeeper, Mr. Tamerlane, arrived. The boys, with Kurt in tow, fled like mad back to the dorm before any of them could come within reach of his cane or worse, his eyesight, and would earn them a whole new round of sanctions from Househead Howard. That party had gone on late, and everyone in Windsor ended up sleeping far later than was advisable for people who had school the next day. Kurt was sure, as he fell back to sleep, that he would never get up, but he woke up the next morning to someone screaming the whole dorm down from the foyer. Someone female who was extremely unhappy.
6: And I know you're in here, Wes. Get down here right now. Get down this minute, or
1: I'll- Blearily, he poked his head out the door to see Blaine doing the same from across the hall, eyes still heavy with sleep and looking truly annoyed. As the screaming downstairs persisted, more boys down the hall started to peer out. Blaine walked down the hall, rubbing his eyes and pounded on Wes and David's room.
0: (sighs) Hmm,
4: David.
1: David, damn it! Open the door! After a groan of disgust from the other side, David did open the door, and he looked unlike his usual trim self, and he also looked
5: exasperated.
0: Wake Wes and tell him Tabitha's here before the rest of us hurl her out.
5: He's got a hangover.
0: David gestured tiredly to the other bed in the room.
1: Wes was buried under one ridiculously oversized pillow, which was so thick that it was probably why he could not hear the screaming. Grumbling were starting to come from the other boys, complaints rising. Blaine narrowed his eyes at the prostrate figure on the bed.
0: Right, I'll wake him. You get her to be quiet.
5: I thought they already broke up last week.
0: David complained,
1: rubbing his face and clearly not relishing the assignment. They did,
0: but it seems she's only found out now. I swear,
6: you and I are going to talk whether you like it or not. Yes! I'll get her to be quiet.
1: Kurt tightened the cord of his robe and flounced down the halls, dark rims under his eyes. Whoa whoa, 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 whoa. Overhearing, the twins bolted down the hall and went running to stop him, barring his way and holding out their hands.
3: Wait, whoa. hold wait, it, wait, Alice. Hold Don't be She's a hero. Alice's She's really dare this. I have to live with
1: you two. How crazy can she be? Ouch. But true. Then they realized Kurt was still headed downstairs and quickly chased after him. Dwight was hanging over the banisters that looked down to the foyer, holding a medallion up defensively to combat the wrath of the furious girl in the black leggings, Ugg boots, sweater, and vest downstairs. She was strikingly beautiful, with perfectly tanned skin and floods of wavy brown hair coming out of her beanie. But she looked furious, screaming and stamping her feet. Kurt passed him as he headed down the stairs, the twins hurtling after him, and Dwight followed, alarmed, hand cocked on the trigger of his holy water sprayer. He was sensing some serious dark aura coming out of Kurt right now.
6: Wesley, Jonathan, Hughes, you come down right this minute, or
1: I'll... She then unleashed an ear-splitting scream at an impossibly shrill pitch that could have brought the entrance hall chandelier crashing down right on her head. The twins and Dwight winced at this performance, their nails scraping at the wooden banisters as the scream lasted a full ten seconds. Kurt did not bat an eye from where he stood, looking truly malevolent. Tabitha breathing hard with her exertion, finally noticed the slim boy by the stairs and glowered.
6: What are you looking at? Wes! Downstairs! Now!
1: All right, that's it! Tabitha looked at him and pointed a perfectly manicured finger.
6: Stay out of this! All right,
3: look, you little spoiled last season Prada princess! Kurt strode right up to her, swatting her hand away, and eyes blazing. I have had just about e-fucking-nuff of your banshee screaming this early in the morning. Were you raised in a barn? I have met troglodytes with more social capacity than you. Now you listen
1: here! He advanced at shell-shocked Tabitha, who was rendered speechless by his rage, and he jabbed a finger at her chest i have been hurled around stripped
3: of my designer clothes stuffed into a uniform thrown a week's worth of homework in a single day kidnapped in the dead of night pelted with half-roasted marshmallows have had just three hours of sleep and i have not even done my moisturizing regime. You will calm your iron-fried hair down. You will patiently wait for Wes to come downstairs. You will be quiet, and you will stop screaming with your nails on a chalkboard voice before you break my perfect pitch hearing and not of every warbler in this house. Do you understand?
1: Utter silence in the entire house. Tabitha gaped at him, mouth open with no sound coming out. The twins and Dwight, already on the landing, were paralyzed in shock. From the mezzanine, the boys of Windsor were staring in varying degrees of amazement and utter fear. Kurt, breathing hard, now turned heel and strode towards the common room past the three boys on the landing. Dwight quickly stumbled backwards onto the twins, turning his defensive medallion against Kurt in terror. The twins scrambled after Kurt, who was holding a hand to his temple. Are you okay? Kurt, who had stopped in the middle of the area, groaned silently as he leaned his head into his hand, face flushed.
3: I need coffee. Lots and lots of coffee, please.
1: Ethan ran past him immediately to go get it from the kitchen. (gasps) Tabitha! Wes ran down from the top of the stairs, his robe haphazardly tied on him. He ran to the girl in the foyer who was still staring, white as a sheet, at Kurt.
4: Baby, what are you doing here? Geez, I told you, you can't come into the dorm. Go, just go, okay? Come on. He,
5: he just... Yes,
4: yes, I know. He... And if you feel like you're your life, you'll never do this again.
1: Wes steered her away and towards the door as David clutched onto one of the banisters, entire body shaking in repressed peals of laughter. Blaine watched the two go before cautiously going up to Kurt as Ethan gingerly handed him the coffee, making sure to not touch him as he did so. The drink might have been searing hot, but Kurt took two long
0: sips and groaned in relief. Well, that was was uh, effective. Are you okay? What in the name of Mark Jacobs just happened? You slew the Jabberwocky. You scared Tabitha Adams out of Windsor. Hopefully for good, but her on-off relationship with Wes might say otherwise. This happens about once a month. Kurt just moaned again in reply, taking another inhale of coffee and almost draining
1: it.
3: I've barely been here a week, and I'm already turning into one of you.
1: He fell and slumped completely against Blaine, who put his arms around him and made soothing sounds. Before he could leave, Kurt to sit down, Dwight grabbed his arm and pleaded it in a whisper
0: to him. Please don't ever make him angry, Blaine. I'm scared. I, I don't think I can exercise that. Duly noted. Blaine tried
1: hard not to smile as he went to go sit with Kurt on the couch. Wes apologized repeatedly as he caught up to Kurt during lunch period.
4: I am so, so sorry about this morning, I swear. She's not all that bad.
0: You're not helping your case. Fine. She
4: can be a little out of control,
0: but she's
3: still- It's fine, Wes. I can barely even remember what I said or did. My brain sort of shut off on me and then went on autopilot. I guess I'm sorry for yelling at your, uh,
4: what is she now? Still my ex. (sighs) On the upside, you reading her the riot act made our talk outside a whole lot less ugly than it might have been.
5: Cheer up, buddy. Your ex was the original pain in the ass anyway. You live. And World War III doesn't have to happen as long as Tabitha stays far away from Kurt. <laughs> uh, Dwight said that if Kurt had died of heart attack with all that rage right then, Windsor would totally become the next house on the grudge.
0: Ugh, I
3: don't want to talk about this. I don't know what came over me.
0: Kind of impressive, actually. I didn't know you could be that forceful. And I'll remember to supply you with coffee immediately on your bad days. Kurt
1: flushed and just ducked back down on his notes, trying to memorize the formulae, and forcing himself to stop enjoying Blaine's arm brushing against his.
2: Hey, Kurt. Congrats on making it to the Warblers.
1: Surprised and pleased, Kurt smiled as he received their greetings, handshakes, high-fives, and pats on the shoulder. It was only now that he realized what Blaine meant about the Warblers being rock stars. Everyone in the hall seemed to know who he was. It was rather surprising. Blaine watched Kurt marveling at all the attention and smiled to himself. The school seemed to be warming up to him well enough. Students would openly stop and chat with Kurt in the halls, ask him questions about school and warblers, or even just to say hi. He could tell Kurt wasn't used to this kind of attention, but it seemed to make his transition easier.
3: That reminds me. I'm supposed to get my own copy of our set list for sectionals and the sheet music for the other songs you guys are working on.
0: Metal said she'll leave your folio in the hall.
3: He
1: looked around and saw that they were passing by the corridor leading to the hall.
0: Want to go grab it before going to the cafeteria?
1: You guys go ahead, I'll catch up. Kurt hurried down the corridor, elated. Wes laughed as he watched him go. (laughs) He's
4: enthusiastic, I'll give him that.
1: Kurt hurried to the warbler's hall and quietly opened the door. Somewhat familiar music greeted him as he entered, coming from the piano. There was a handsome boy sitting at the piano, fingers moving smoothly and easily over the keys playing a melodious harmony. With a captivating color in his voice, he was vocalizing along with it casually. Kurt stared in spite of himself. The long-legged Adonis on the piano bench was playing on, seemingly not to notice him. And as he turned his head, he saw Kurt. Paralyzed by the pale green eyes that now looked at him in surprise, Kurt stammered with an awkward gesture. I... sorry, I didn't mean to run in but the boy just smiled and gestured him in.
7: It's fine. I was just trying it out anyway.
1: It was Kurt's turn to smile, relaxing. He walked up to him, dropping his bag down on one of
7: the chairs as he did. Are you a warbler too? That I am. And you are, of course, our new countertenor. He
1: looked up as Kurt stepped into the light of the windows. He gazed at him with an appreciative eye and a smile. His smile widened as he extended a hand.
7: I'm Logan Wright.
1: Kurt. Kurt Hummel. Kurt breathed as he shook hands with him. Logan was unsettlingly good-looking. His fine blonde hair was styled back, and his eyes were intensely piercing as they seemed to appraise him.
7: (laughs) I know. I saw you and heard you sing yesterday. There was no way Harvey wouldn't adopt you. You're something else.
1: It was one thing to find himself in a school where everyone was friendly and liked him, But Kurt had never experienced being with a boy who openly gazed admiringly at him without even trying to hide it. He felt himself color up in spite of himself, feeling awkward. Logan gestured to the pin on Kurt's lapel. Windsor? Yeah. Kurt looked and saw that Logan had a pin too, but it was a red shield with two crossed white rays. Logan saw him looking at it and grinned. Stuart. Ah. What brought you here? Miss Metal said that my folio... He stopped as Logan immediately held out a black and blue music folio with another devastating smile. It all started to make Kurt feel a little uncomfortable. He took it from him.
7: Thanks. Saw it on the piano when I sat here.
1: You just come in here and play?
7: Like I said, I was trying out a song. Maybe for the Fall Music Festival.
1: Logan's hands ghosted
7: over the keys again,
1: playing that same harmony. He trailed it softly with his own voice moving up the scales. He really had a voice. Kurt had to give him that. You're going to sing Just a Dream? The Sam Shuey
7: version? Yes. Didn't expect you to know that, though. I go to YouTube too, you know. You sang and grand slammed Don't Cry For Me Argentina for your audition. I wasn't expecting his music to be your style. I like him. He's good. Then help me out a bit. I was thinking of doing that song, but I wasn't sure how I'd sound. Logan looked almost embarrassed.
1: He held out a lyric sheet to him. Kurt, surprised, looked down at the sheet now in his hand and looked back to him. You need a duet partner for this. To sing Christina
7: Grimmie's part. That's why I was thinking of nixing it. Hell, I don't even know if I could sing it.
1: He prodded a few keys. Kurt watched him. Well,
3: you know, you sounded really good for practice.
7: Really?
1: Logan looked amused. Kurt still wasn't sure if he was comfortable about the way Logan just seemed to look at him like he was trying to see through him. But the smile was friendly. Want to sing it with me? He straightened up and put his hands on the keys, starting the opening melody.
7: Just the first part. I just need someone to harmonize with me. If I totally suck, feel free to stop me at any time and throw the sheets in my face. I haven't really tried this kind of song before. Wing it! What's wrong with doing something a little different? It made sense, and Kurt smiled a little. The taller boy glanced at him. You don't mind singing Christina's part? Not much of a choice there. (laughs) Kurt
1: made a bit of a face at him, and Logan laughed. Logan eyed him as he played, and began to sing.
7: about you, singing about me, singing about us. What are we gonna be? Open my eyes, it was only just a
1: dream. Kurt was stunned in spite of himself. Logan's vocals sounded even better when he really meant to sing and not just practice tentatively. He almost forgot his place but joined in. At Logan's encouraging nod, body swaying slightly to the beat, Kurt took up the line.
3: So I travel back.
1: realized it was only just a dream. In spite of it not being his usual style, he found himself moving along to the music and getting into it. Logan smiled and sang again, his voice
7: sure and seamless to the music. I was at the top, now it's like i in the basement. Number one spot, now you found your own replacement. I swear now that I can't take it, knowing somebody's got my baby. He's
1: really good. And the song was the type of music that suited his kind of voice. Logan leaned to him as he sang, singing to him, his body grooving a little bit to the music. And
7: now you ain't no brown baby, I can't think. I should've put it down, should've got that ring. Because I can still feel it in the air. I see your pretty face from my fingers through your hair. My lover, my life, my baby, my wife. You left me, I'm tired. Because I know that it just ain't right.
1: Kurt rejoined him now, their voices harmonizing for the chorus. I was thinking about you,
7: thinking about me, thinking about us, what we gonna be. Open my eyes, it was only just a dream. So I travel back down that road, will you come back? No one knows, I realized it was only
1: Logan let the music trail away, throwing in a couple of soft ad-libs before letting silence take over. His hands came to rest on the keyboard, and he looked up at Kurt with a strange smile. It was the kind Kurt had seen once before, on Finn when Rachel sang the only
7: exception to him. And he didn't know what to make of it. So much for not being your style. You're not so bad at it yourself. I
3: still don't think it fits me all that much, but it was all right. Kurt shrugged,
1: avoiding Logan's pale green gaze. Oh, really? Logan leaned forward a bit, amused. The door to the hall practically slammed open. The two looked up to see five boys standing there. Wes had been the one to open that door, hand still resting on it. David stood at the other side, arms akimbo. Blaine stood in the middle of them up front, with Evan and Ethan behind him. All of the boys had some form of smile on their face, but Kurt saw something hard behind the smiles. Blaine's was almost a smirk, and a cold one.
0: Hello, Logan.
1: Hello, Blaine.
0: Logan's smile was cool and composed. Kurt, we better get some lunch in you before your physics class. You'll want it.
1: (laughs) Right. He picked up his folio and his bag and looked at Logan with a brief smile.
7: Thanks again. No, thank you. I don't think I'll use the song, but it was good. For practice.
5: Let's go, Kurt.
7: David had an
1: edge to his voice that Kurt had never heard before and so slight that he thought he was imagining it. David didn't even look at him as he said this. He was looking intently at Logan. Blaine took Kurt's hand and led him out. Blaine's touch was warm and gentle as ever and Kurt wondered if the expressions on their faces earlier were just tricks of the light. It was Wes who closed the door and as they walked down the hall.
4: So, lunch? Yeah. Are
3: you guys alright?
1: Absolutely. Kurt blushed. He now understood the difference between Blaine's smile and Logan's. Logan's smile was the kind that hit you full force and looked like an airbrush magazine ad. Blaine's smile, on the other hand, was just his own, and perfect. Kurt tightened his hold on his hand and smiled back. Glad you came when you did. Sure. Blaine nodded, looking back ahead. He didn't want to tell Kurt how relieved he was to hear that. From Warbler's Hall, Logan leaned on the spot where Kurt had been resting against the piano. He was looking out the window, deep in thought. Presently, a voice sounded at the door. A boy carrying a satchel was leaning there. He was shorter than Logan, but his body looked lean and strong, like an athlete. On his lapel was a red shield, crossed with the white rays. First time I've heard you sing with anyone in a long time.
7: Logan smiled without turning. I know. I got too interested. The Windsor guys didn't look happy, especially Blaine. I thought he was going to throw a fit when I saw them listening in on you two. Really?
1: Logan looked out the window to the cloudy autumn sky that reminded him of Kurt's eye color. That's so... interesting. And Reed, who had been passing by, heard all of this, marked it, and fled down the hall.